And we are joined by Sully himself, the hero of the Hudson. <laughs> yeah, in another life, right? Yeah. That must have just ruined that that nickname for you. Nah, not at all. He's, a, a, he's a stud. He is. I'd yeah. like to meet that guy, if I'm being honest. That's a, some good shit. It was. Yeah. It was. I, I hope he, he drank for free for like five years Oh, straight. he should. Absolutely. The guy was a stud. Handled himself with, uh, with class. No, guys, we've got uh, Andrew Sullivan, of course, nicknamed Sully. Sully and I go back to 2003. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I keep saying boot camp, but SEAL training. Yeah. We were roommates, weren't we? We were, but we didn't live there, right? Because we were married, so we lived out in town. Exactly. But we had a room, which we only had to clean once a week, really, because we didn't work out of it. I, so great. that's what yeah, I remember that. So, yeah. okay, were, were you married or engaged? I was I was engaged at first. I got married between second and third phase. Okay. Yeah. But I, I yeah I lived out in town. Maybe I moved out in town right after that. But I don't remember. To be completely honest, it, I mean the sad that thing is I don't think we ago. we passed many room inspections despite not living there. Really, I don't remember failing any. I we failed. You fail like the first three. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, from what I remember, I thought we were pretty good because we didn't really have to clean. I know. It just stayed clean. We didn't go to our room. Unless we pissed somebody off. Yeah. Which, that would never happen with us. God, what a bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. It's it's weird looking back at it now, wondering why the hell someone would do that. Um, not thinking about the next 20 years and what we were going to do, but, man, that sucked. That did. It, yeah. It was the best time I'd never want to have again. Well, you know, I say that about the SEALs. Is yeah. the best worst time I've ever had. Yep, especially where we were at, yep. where we ended up. I agree. Best place in the world. Also, the could be the uh, the worst place in the world. But we, you know, actually, we've got old Shem is uh, retiring next week. Really? Yeah. Gonna come clean our teeth for free or what? I know. Seriously, you know, Will, this guy was he was a wrestler for Boston College. This is when they still had a program. Total stud. Becomes a seal. Good seal, and then uh, switches over and becomes a Navy dentist. It's a weird combination. And he, he, like, he changed his persona almost to match his profession. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just remember him being this badass dude and buds, and then we saw him at the reunion, hadn't seen him in 15 years, and I'm like, man, that dude looks like a, a dentist. right? And I, I don't know what changed, probably nothing, except maybe his glasses. But So he was wearing glasses. He had thick glasses, yeah. yeah. And it was great. It, it worked well. But he was, he was he, awesome. He's uh, he got into jujitsu pretty heavily, given his yeah. background in wrestling. He, I yep. know he was when he's crushing it too. I think I follow him on LinkedIn or Instagram or something. He's he's doing really well. Yeah, that's a guy I wouldn't. That's a guy I wouldn't wanted uh, to have uh, no. to have fought. No, no. If, if knock your teeth out and then fix them. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, the who would you guess is the other guy in the class that I would never want to fight? But I almost did because I mispronounced his name and he he came out. I'm like, oh really? You're gonna step up? Really? Angry. In our class? Yes. Just an angry. Skook. Skook is, that, he's a badass. Yeah. But no, I was talking about Czech. Oh, Nick. Yeah, Nick was good. He was, he, he was a tough kid. I I, I remember one time, because him and a couple of the other guys in that crew, we went to A school together. So we, we were tight right after boot camp, and we worked out every morning getting ready. And then they were my boys when I got to Buds. That's that's who I knew. Um you know who I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. One guy in, mm-hmm. in Vegas, the other guy's doing movies. So the uh, and I just ran into him as well. Did you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, we were down. I think it was in IB, and we're, we're just hanging out drinking. They were all underage at the time, so I was the only one who was over 20. We were like my little brothers, and uh, so we just go buy beer and hang out at someone's place. 
and we're on the balcony and watching the street on the second story down below and some dude smacks a chick in the street. And so we all jump up and start yelling at this dude from the balcony and he, he's kind of looks at us like, yeah, come on, bring it. And then he just turns around and starts running. And we're all like, yeah, like we scared that guy. Next thing you know, Nick is running after him. Like we're all standing there yelling at the guy. Nick immediately ran downstairs and was chasing the dude down the street. That was just, didn't say a word, didn't talk to him. Just like, nope, not happening. And, and just ran his ass down. That was Nick. And funny enough, the last image I watched of Nick in near real time was yeah. darting for the front door. That's what he did. For the, uh, for the listeners, Nick Check was a uh, SEAL Tier 1 operator, uh, was killed in action on a hostage rescue, which is th- these, these missions are rare. You've actually yeah. been on some. I know we won't go into that. Um, in which they did rescue the American uh, doctor. I think yeah. it was Joseph Dillip or, or Dillip Joseph yep. was his name. Uh, Ed Byers was awarded the Medal of Honor. Nick was awarded the Navy Cross, which is our second highest award uh, for valor. But he left everyone in the dust. He was the first one into the room and unfortunately chose the wrong wall. There's an enemy combatant on the other wall that uh, shot and killed uh, Nick. But when we, everyone was watching that, yeah. and they saw one guy who was just everyone's like oh that's it's Nick. Yep. Everyone knew. All action. All action no talk, right? Yeah. As opposed to most people, all talk no action. Which is common. Yeah. Common these 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 but we you know for people we had a lot of that in the SEAL teams. Did a lot we? of guys ran their mouths. Yeah. Had very little credibility. I mean when push came to shove though, especially you know as we moved on in our career, it was all action. A lot of action, right? So a lot, a lot, but also given the place where you're at, you didn't stick around if you yep. were uh, correct. If you didn't, if you didn't have credibility, what what was the hardest part of buds for you? I thought buds was easy, man. What are you talking about? No, I'm kidding. Um, man, it was just because I was a little older. I mean, you were too, right? But it was doing it every day, over and over. Yeah, the monotony. It, yeah, it, it's. I don't think there's any one physical evolution that was difficult that couldn't be done. It was just waking up and having to go do another two-mile ocean swim or having to do another run or having to do another O course just over and over and knowing you're going to be cold, knowing you're going to be wet. And if you stop for one second to think about how much longer you have to do it, like that is where the pain is. If you just take it day by day, it's not that bad. Anybody can get through it that has the drive and the motivation to want to do what's on the other end of buds, right? And that was kind of, that was my mindset. So um, I, I hurt, no doubt about it. Just, it's funny, you know, 20 to 22 is the perfect age. Once you get over 22, your body for that kind of you know, punishment, it, it's different. How old are you? Right now? Yeah. I'm 27. <laughs> yeah, I look 45, good, right? 46. You're 46. I okay, am. you're a little older than me. We were, yeah. let's see, when we were going through that, I was 26. You yeah. were right around 26, 27. No, I was younger than that, man. What am I? 25, maybe? If you were born in 76, right? I was, yeah. So, basically 26, 27. Too many TBIs, bro. Yeah. You do the math. It was in, you know, no, no, you're absolutely right. There is there is a, a level of difficulty as you increase in age, but um, you hit it on the nose with the, it's just like, you know, like, oh, great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my, you know what, pushed in. On this evolution. Yeah. This is just going to suck. Especially after lunch when you've yep. eaten and you're like, oh, great, log PT. 
this is gonna this is just gonna suck. Yeah. I I enjoyed log PT because I was always on the winning team. <laughs> I and what and I think yes. it was it was because of yep. height, right? Because I knew I had in my we for people that don't know, we lined up in a height line and then we split up into six man teams based on height. And I knew the dudes on either side of me that were my five eleven, six foot height were, were studs. And we always were one or two, which you know, pays to be a winner, right? Um, so I enjoyed log PT, believe it or not. I mean, I, as much as you can enjoy, like you said, getting it pushed in. The one thing I dreaded doing every single time was to swim. Every time. And I knew you and you and Nick were going to win. Every, not that we're racing to win, but for me. It, you know what you were racing for? To get it over. To get it done. Just, you know, you're going to be cold. You know, you're going to be bored because all you're doing is, I always got it. My, my swim buddy was awesome. He was just a stud, and he just put his head down and kick, and I got it. And I knew I just had to pick a point and go because it's open water, not like you have lanes in a pool. And the only reason you're going to fail that swim is if you guide incorrectly, right? Because anybody can go do the mm. swim in the time if they swim a straight line. But people have a really difficult time navigating open water and swimming that straight line. So that's all I focused on, and man, I hated it every single time. But never yeah, failed. Remind me of the time. What was the the, the, the average times like? It seemed like hours, but it was forty minutes. Does that sound about right? No, I think it was longer than that. Two miles swim. I yeah, don't know. it was. So you know, I actually would get seasick. I, I would get that. seasick on those. Yeah, and I had the I Nick. Uh, Nick was the biggest stud in our class. Will this guy actually did like sixty pull ups straight? Yeah. Right in the middle of Hell Week. He yeah. was like, like Thursday physical, Hell Week. Just yeah, physical phenomena. Stunned. Just um and actually he has a company. He's a company he's called ProTech. Yep. Uh now he's he's doing very well for himself. Naval Academy just built like a little tank, but I, I actually was just holding on to him. Just I mean, that's the way to go. It's the equivalent. If I knew better, yeah. I would have held on to you guys. <laughs> just swim in your wake if I could have kept up. But yeah, that was the one that was it. For me and Buds, that that was what I dreaded. Um and then die phase for me was worse than first phase. I would do I would do Hell Week again before I would do die phase. Really? I just hated being cold and wet. Yeah. I was a skinny as hell back then, too. Yeah. Just, it, it, you know, it, the cold hit me. It hit me hard. And being underwater. Because we hit that during the winter. Yeah. Knowing it was going to be cold. And just I remember just being on the bus, driving down to wherever we're going to do our contour oh, yeah. dive or, yeah. or our recip dive or whatever, and just starting to shake. Wasn't even cold yet, but I knew I was going to be cold, and I just I hated it. But you just you, you get it done, right? You look in big picture and thinking about it's something I have to get through in order to get where I want to be. So there's never thought of quitting, but I knew it was going to suck, and I, I didn't look forward to it. So you you know I never did a dive package in any of my platoons, oh, dude. I or didn't. when we got to where we went, no, I think I went from two thousand and six or seven. To 2016, 17, without getting in the water once. Never, never put a, a drager on. Or, except for or, a recall, right? Would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah except for the that recall. That would be lying yeah, yeah. and we don't do that? Yeah. Um, yes, the recalls. But even if we did, I'm sure I did them over the years. It was in the pool. Like, we weren't going into open water. It wasn't cold. And then we do some, some O courses in the pool, right? Mm. So... Yeah, but the the war was always in the desert, so the the focus on doing maritime stuff just wasn't there because it was you had to prioritize, right? Um, there's only so much time to train, and you can't do everything all the time. So, um, 
But I feel I feel like I let people down when they're like, "Oh, well, you're a seal. You must like you must know a lot about diving." I got a question. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. Mm. Yeah, but there are guys that do, right? Yeah, they're, um, you know, uh, Jeff Samuels. Yep, he's got a dive yep. company. Absolutely, he's doing and it really well for himself. There's a couple guys doing yeah. it. You know, um, Scuba Pro. One of our one of my first chiefs is working for them um, now, and no kidding, he, he's crushing it. Yeah, um, but he's not a Massachusetts guy. So, is that where they're based out of? I don't. Not sure where they're based out or not, but but there are there are guys that really enjoyed it, loved doing it, and and that was their thing. I was not one of them. That that was something I did because I had to do, not because I loved doing it. Um, but you know, if I'm going to put on a, a tank now, it's going to be in tropical water, looking at fish. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It's just, I'm not not cold. No, the military has a way of uh, yeah making things taking work. the yes, and even even with skydiving, I had to take it like a few years Damn. off. That's how I'm at now. Like it's, that's work to me. I don't go jump for fun. It just, I mean, I enjoy jumping up to a point, and then I became the guy that, all right, I'll come and do my work jumps, and then I'll I'll be on the golf course, right? Yeah. I'm not sticking around to jump for fun. And it's just doing it over and over. And you've already had X amount of surgeries and injuries and, and all this, and it's like one bad jump could end your career. And to me, it was like, all right, man, I'll do the work stuff, but after that, let me work on my slice. It is so funny how, I don't, I don't want to say the bare minimum, but if I didn't have to go beyond, like, hey, if you, we've got to do these five jumps. Hey, who wants a six? I'm like, nope, not going to do it because I don't want to get hurt. I want to yeah. deploy. I want to go do my job. It's it's not an old man's game. No. And, That's and why I always we, laugh when guys were like, yeah. uh, hey, let's go play soccer like one month. Before. I'm like, <laughs> speedball. No. I, I've never played speedball. For some reason, that was the biggest sport in the team. So I, always, I would always make fun of those guys and say, well, I mean, if you were a real athlete, you wouldn't be playing speedball, right? I, I, people didn't take kindly to that. No, and, and I remember my guys would be playing on deployment, and I'm like, ah, could you, could you not do that? Like, this is like, this is like the ACL, MCL yeah, waiting right. to tear. <laughs> Team guys, we, man. we, oh God, I don't know when this was, 2009 or probably 10 or 11. There was a at the at the the sportsplex. They were having a flag football tournament, and we're like, we're getting a team together. We're playing right and. We're like, all right, we're gonna have a little mini tryouts. So we go out behind the, the the building, and within like thirty seconds, a ball skips. Someone goes to grab it and dislocates his finger. Like you know the how when the, the cord when you let it go, mm. yeah, his mm. finger's up here. He was out, broke his finger, had to get surgery, um, and then we went and played. And God, we lost three to four dudes in the first game. One dude tore his meniscus, had to get surgery on his knee. And this is I don't know five months before deployment. And we're just, dudes are just dropping. And, man, we got smoked, smoked by people that play together all the time. And we're, like, we came out and kicked kicked ass because we're all pretty athletic and just, but we were done within the first, like, 30 minutes. And guys, started, one dude, I threw the ball, he caught it, touched down, dropped the ball, ran off the field, grabbed his bag. That's the guy that tore his meniscus. He knew right away, and he just he just ran to his car and went to the hospital. I'm like, yeah, we shouldn't do this, man. Don't don't confuse <laughs> expertise in one area right? that it naturally uh, translates to another. But we're good at everything, right? We're, yeah, uh, jack of all trades, master right. of none. Good good luck with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. didn't it, work out well. These days, I feel like a master of nothing. Yeah, I, I get that. Is is it? You know, just talking to Carly uh, about this. Uh, I'm like, I what we did. Like, I, I don't feel like I I did it. I'm like, oh, I, I feel like an imposter at this point, almost. I mean, my body tells me I did it, <laughs> right? When I try to get up in the morning, 
Um, but I, I get what you're saying. I think for me now, nothing comes easy to me now the way it did back then. Like everything in the teams was just natural. Um, you know, we just – guys didn't really fail to get to where we got to. It was, you're just continually successful, which builds up this confidence. And then you get out and you start a business or you get a job or you do something and, and you're kind of out of your comfort zone and it's completely different, right? It's, it's, it's humbling to, to say the least. Um, but it's also really cool because it's a new challenge. And, and I don't know, for me, it's something I've never had to do before. So, yeah. This, this is, so what you've just described, we talk about quite frequently, is that um, I think you had such passion for what you do, not to say we don't have yeah. passion for building businesses, yep. that there was nothing you wouldn't do to get to the standard and go beyond that for your respective yeah. uh, job and your team. Agreed. And I've, I've said I would rather go on another 10 deployments than start another business because <laughs> I feel I'm so outside uh, of my mental and physical comfort zones yeah. with this realm because I'm so new to it. Yep. Um, that makes total sense. I, and, I, and I would agree with you if we were working, right? If, if the deployments were work deployments and not admin deployments or whatever you want to call them, like deploying to deploy. Uh, and, and physically, I could I could keep up with the, with the kids out there now. But again, I go back to where's the challenge in that? Like you're staying in your comfort zone, right? Learning comes outside your comfort zone. Mm. So mm. it's new, it's hard, but I but I enjoy it. And I, man, I've met people I never would have met in the teams just by doing the nonprofit and, and the business and, and, and trying new things and trying to help. It's it's opened up a lot to me, and and I and I enjoy that very much. And let me counter you on that. Okay. The so you know, one I always find it fu- funny when. People are like ran two hundred raids, or I'm like I, I'm like well, I'm thinking about I'm my bio like, right like, now. I don't, <laughs> I've never counted, I'm so like, I don't. Uh, yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. I killed three people. Like, I'm yeah. like, are people keeping count of that? Well, there's referees downrange, right? Oh, that's a kill. Here you go. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the 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 difficulty was because you became so good at raids because you guys were running those nightly, if not two a night, is when a new problem set came in front of you guys would try to fight the last war and they try to take that template of work, what worked in this country. And then all of a sudden throw it on this template and and then things go wrong. And you're like, damn it. We try to uh, apply the same template to a completely different, uh, and we we got caught, we got caught on that multiple times. No, I agree. I mean, that's where deliberate clearance came from, right? Like trying to do what they did in Vietnam when Iraq started, because we went through buds taught by dudes from Vietnam era tactics, right? And it wasn't going to work. And the same thing when we started moved to Afghanistan and when we left Afghanistan and tried, started to work our way out, it, it was different everywhere we went and we learned the hard way sometimes that we can't come in there. And I think we actually got pretty good at that towards the end mm-hmm. of, of you know predictive analysis to be able to, to know the differences in, in tactics of your enemy. Yes. Um, so, but it, we, certainly we learned the hard way more than once. Um, and we've, we've got a wall that will, will prove that. Right? As, as the saying goes, you, you go with what you know. Yeah. And it's usually, you know, I remember the, uh, the best piece of advice, and I won't mention his name, but <clears throat> had been there a long time. And uh, 
they'd uh, tasked like uh, three officers to come up with a plan, of course, which is doomed from the yeah, start. And then right. we brief it in front of a bunch of master chiefs. And, <laughs> and he said in his, uh, his Southern accent, he's like, and he just said that and simply left the room. And we fucking hated him at the time. We're like, yeah. screw that guy. But he's like, don't confuse your enthusiasm with your capability and walked out the room. Mm -hmm. And we're like, did he just, did he just throw an insult at us? Like, yeah, but he was also giving you a yeah. cautionary tale. Right. Uh, knowing his past, they had had a bad yeah. incident and he was simply saying, look at your plan again. Yep. Be realistic. Who's the best leader in, uh, in buds that stood? I'm not, I'm not talking about students. There's always, cause we, we you know, again, we wrote the book, the talent war. Yeah. I talked about how some of the instructors are some of the best dudes you'll ever, you'll ever meet. And you're like, dude, I want to be just like that guy. Who's the instructor that stood out to you? There were, all that there, time. there were a couple. Yeah. Um, man, I, I remember, uh, I don't want to be throwing names out, but third phase, I had the mustache. Gotcha. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just, I liked the way that he treated us like men. Men. Like, like team guys. We weren't even team guys yet, but he had high expectations. If you didn't perform, he let you know. I never heard him yell one time but you felt bad if you messed up, right? So he just had a way of of kind of – he was an example to me. I, I, I always remembered him throughout my career, and I don't think I ever saw him again. I never worked with him. I know he went to one of the agencies afterwards. I never saw him overseas, but, man, he, I carried some of his stuff. Is it, isn't it amazing yeah. for how small the SEAL teams are sometimes your world's apart? Because there are a yeah. lot of dudes from our buds class that I never saw again. Yeah. But that old well, day, if you if you show up to reunions, you know. Uh, I know, man. I, I I forget what happened. Uh, uh, there, you know that that I call that the big brother approach. Yeah, is one. I, I'm a firm believer in having come from the Marine Corps, yeah. like where you sometimes got treated like trash. Yeah, like I, I remember I came back honor man from OCS, and the gun he's calling me a uh, can't use the word now, but a retard. He's like yeah. he's like I don't care what you, you know. Can you use that word too? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Depends who's listening. But. Um, Guys that treat young men like men strangely get that mm -hmm. outcome is young men that, that act with a, a little more maturity. But when you respect somebody so much and when you screw up and they don't yell, they just sort of yeah. give you that like, hey, like I, you didn't you didn't disappoint me. Yep. You disappointed yourself. 100%. And they walk away and you're like, damn it. And they fix it. Yeah. And he seemed so old to me back then too. And he was probably younger than I am now. Right. I mean, I don't know. Tell me if I, because he was older. Because he was, yes, he, he was a he prior, was, he'd prior been for a while. I think he yes. got, he got out not long after that. So he just, he just seems so old to me. If we're talking about the same, the same. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He probably was our same age. I mean, he was probably younger than we are now back then. And then, uh, well, I mean, he ended up with the C, remember the CEO at the time yeah. where he went, he ended up yeah. working with him. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. The, uh, you know, the the few forays I had into the instructor world, which, you know, I, I got to have you as a student. Of, um, I, I, don't, I don't think I ever yelled. And, and that was because of him, because I always learned more from people like that. But I had a really good way to induce stress and, and hopefully make you feel like you needed to do better. But I don't think I ever yelled. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But. Yeah, that was a little odd having my, my bud's roommate right? be an instructor. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it. You yelled a couple times. Did I? Yeah, you, you guys all yell. Yeah. Uh, maybe I, a little like inflection. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember. 
Oh, those were good times. Yeah, I had fun during that. Uh, it was a good time. It was a great time. Yeah. We saw our, our, our party at the end was, uh, we did a good job. You did? Yep. I still remember, uh, <laughs> I can't even talk about it. <laughs> Jumping naked into the pool? Me? No, 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 no. No, I wasn't even going to talk about that part. I was going to talk about another party. Um, and the place we were at before that, mm-hmm. where we just happened to run into you guys out in town. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yep, good times. Um, yeah, no, no, no. We, at that party in Mississippi, yeah, uh, yeah, we had, let's just say, the the close to the bullfrog running into the pool naked yep. with tube socks on. Yep. It was just a little odd. Yeah. But at least he broke down. It happens. <laughs> it, that, I mean, that's if there's ever a time to let loose and party, that that's it, right? That's as far as being going from a level of stress to a level of stress down here, that that's it. And throughout my career, that is the biggest reduction of stress I've ever had was literally finishing that one block. Oh, you know, so oh, that, everyone says that. Yeah. It's the only time in my life where every night I'm like, am I going home tomorrow? Oh yeah. And to get past that is, yeah, that is monumental. That's why guys just burn it down. Yep. Um, Dude, I'm convinced if, like, you broke ranks and wrote a book about just the the funniest stories, which we think are funny, that the general public would be like, you need to shut that organization down. (laughs) Like, they are are deviants. Yeah. Get them out. Yeah. No wonder they get in a lot of trouble as uh, as a community. Yeah. Um, But that's also our strength. It is. I mean, there's something about camaraderie that carries over from from fun to, to battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just the level of trust you build amongst each other um, at, in every aspect of your life, right? Whether it's being with your family and counting on other people to look after your family when you're not there or being downrange and knowing that I don't even have to look over my shoulder because I know my boy's right there, right? And then everything in between. It, it is, I, I don't know about you, but it's kind of something I am trying to recreate. Yes, right now um and it doesn't necessarily mean i want a bunch of team guys working for me but i want people that i trust to that level surrounding me at all times and it is a slow process and i have some really really good people around me right now and i I just want to kind of grow it at at that pace so i know i can trust everybody that's around me and i I, it's it's different you've you've got to go through hardship together yes i mean that's so some people call it shared hardship Shared adversity. Andy and I just wrote an article about this. If you, if you want to create common bonds, especially in the private sector, you got to get your people out of the office and you yes. got to go do something hard. Yep. Hard things form hard teams. Agreed. The, uh, and, and, and that is what I miss most. I, I've, I've come to realize that I, I identify more with the team than I do any individual accomplishment that, that I yeah. achieve. Yeah, 100%. It's I meaningless mean, without it, it. it. That's our community, right? And that's why... Clearly, there's, and to, to poach Rich Davini here, right, there's attributes that we have that make us really good at that team mindset. And not really good, but, like, exceptionally good, which is why we get to the level that we got to. So when – I know for me, when I got out and, and I kind of went from that to feeling alone, not, not in the I have no friends kind of way, but in the, the next decision I make, I'm on my own. Mm. Like, I don't have a team there to pick up the slack for me mm. unless – I go build it myself. So to be able to transition to that was, was really difficult. Uh, it took a while. And, and Probably still going through it. 100%. In a lot of ways. And, and I feel like I will always be going through it because I know I'm never going to have, I'm not going to war ever again, right? And, and 
I'm never going to have a bunch of team guys around me, but that doesn't mean I can't be surrounded by really good people with great attributes that do high performing stuff on a regular basis. Iron sharpens iron. True. I, I do also realize that I was not as courageous as I thought because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do without a team. Like, so really go off by yourself oh. and do that and be like, ah, uh, I need a swim, buddy. Dude, and, and we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but like, I train cops now, and we're asking a single police officer with no training to run into a building where someone is shooting, right? And you just had someone who spent how many years in the teams to the highest level just said, man, I wouldn't want to do that by myself, and you have more training than anybody in the world. And then when that person fails, we want to throw them in jail. Mm. Right? It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling and insulting to me that that is the way that our, our leadership thinks about law enforcement right now and isn't doing anything to help them. Yeah, we, we are going to dive into this because this yeah. is an area that, uh, quite frankly, you know, I, I thank cops. And I say, hey, thank you for protecting my family when I was over there. Bottom line. <laughs> like, you, you probably 100%. had a harder, you had a harder yeah. job than we do. Yeah. Bottom I, line. I totally we're, like, even if we screw up, we're heroes. Yep. You guys, no, you screw up. Your Not nowadays. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But it's, man. <sighs> so Johnny Kim. Yeah. And for the guy. listeners, Johnny Kim is Dr. Johnny Kim, SEAL. Harvard doctor. Sealstronaut. Astronaut. Dr. Sealstronaut. And now he's a, yeah. he's a naval aviator. And I noticed, did he move his wings up here and his trident down here? I don't think he has any room left. I mean. Did, did you ever think in Buds that this guy is going to be like in a percentage of human beings across generations that, that will be held up as a, like an example for all Americans? I, you know. I'm so glad he is because he is such a good role model for our for our community. Um, in a time that you know we've had guys on both ends of the spectrum and in, in the limelight, right? So I I don't think I ever thought I never saw that. We obviously we knew he was smart, right? He, we we knew he was good. He was he was a high performer, um, West Coast guy. So so you got to de- deploy with him probably more than I did. But I always heard good things. I always heard he was performing um, really well as as a medic and and. And then he went to Harvard. And I'm like, man, good for you. Like, what, what a culmination to your career, right? Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to be a doctor. I kind of want to be an astronaut. Okay. Um, and now he's an astronaut. It's like, what are you going to do next? And he's not even on. He's five years younger than me, I think. Like, he's done more in his half lifetime than most people will do in three lifetimes, right? Yeah. So, um, but it, it, and it couldn't be a better person to be in that position because clearly the, the the dude works hard to do what he does. And I mean, he's still in the Navy too, which is what blows my mind. So man, good on him. Humble. You will rarely ever meet pe- people yes. that are more humble than he is. So uncomfortable with where he's at. Yes. Just from my perception, you know, seeing him and, and, you know, we, we did the reunion and he was there and he actually got to speak to our centennial class, awesome. um, which is really cool. And then we're at the bar afterwards. Good speech. Yeah, he's great. He's very comfortable up there. Spoke well, and I mean, it's Doctor Seals or not, right? What's what's? What, there's nothing he can say that people can't won't resonate with somebody, right? And when we go to a little after party that the class had, and man, the guy was like a cele- it was like a boy band. He was a celebrity, <laughs> and he was so uncomfortable with it. But he didn't say no to anybody. Anybody that came up and asked him a question, he answered, talked to them, and was so nice. And and that's just who he is. Yeah. And he he's a shirt off the back, humble kind of guy. And 
man, I wish him the best. I, he better go to space. And, and the, the world will put him on a pedestal to, to you and I. We'll just be like, shut up, Johnny. Johnny. I just, do you remember? Remember we had the dude in our class that was, he was uh, a cheerleader? He was like, yes, a, yes. Do you dude. remember? It was second phase because I remember being out there doing our little dive inspection. And Johnny was one of the, if not the smallest guy in the class. Tried to hold Johnny up in uh, with the one hand. One hand, yeah, man. I, I for will always have that in my mind. That picture. Uh, oh man, Whew. I will tell you, Johnny. Johnny Kim is a walking example of. Cheers, man. Just don't pass judgment. You yes. have no clue. No clue. You, I, 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 I came across pictures <clears throat> recently from our buds class. Yeah, on the island. And there's one picture that just needs to be like, let's just say I have a appendage coming out of my head during skits when I was making fun of an instructor, which not even the instructors liked. Oh, he hated me after that. Exactly like this. Yeah. And um, no. he was our proctor too, wasn't he? He was not our proctor, but he was just talk about like, I, you know, I'd love to say, hey, we put our best in charge of training. That he was definitely. Yeah, you get a mix for sure. Yeah, you do. You do. But that was, man. Some of my best memories of you are doing skits um, in Buds. I remember doing them. In, did we do them at the end of every phase? I think we did. Because you, you got to roast. Uh, it's your opportunity to roast. <laughs> remember we had the, the the swim off because one of the students, he ended up he ended up getting rolled because he had to get his hip replaced. and But he raced one of the instructors and beat him with, with a bad hip and – I think we pretended to be Christopher Reeves. Like they brought me into the That's spine right. board. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> oh I, my I God. think that was second phase. Yeah. I think it was second phase. And if it's, yeah. And then selection, I think you guys did a skit on, on me with the, I don't know if it was your class or the class after, but like, cause I have the tattoo here. So they called me a care bear and I'm doing like the care bear stare. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> it's got, not as funny when you're not the guy. He's got a Boston yeah. Red Sox B. Directly under his... Uh, wait, wait, you mean everybody doesn't have that? No, not, not everyone has that. What are you laughing at over there? That's not funny. It's, he's, it's classy. he's got a long it's horns tattoo on his... I got that. that <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Hook him horns. <laughs> I shouldn't talk. I've got some... I had that before I joined the Navy. I remember. Yeah. Oh, I knew. It didn't Every, go well, the yeah. instructors yeah, do Yeah, they knew it. They saw it right away. Yeah. You were, yeah. You were definitely... That was a bullseye for... Uh, I, was, I was sober when I got that tattoo. No, I, I was not. I think I was like 18... West Virginia, watching a football game. Never have, as a man, do you ever get comfortable being close to, like, half-naked men all the freaking oh, time? Yeah, <laughs> like buds. There's some stuff we don't want to talk about yeah, that no. happens. It's absolutely mind-boggling the things you'll do when you're that cold. Mm-hmm. Without shame. And I do it again, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I, You know, I, I remember you bringing up Nick. We were in Sears school. It was one of the coldest nights. We weren't even wet. Is basically it was a line. One guy came behind, sort of bear hugged. The next guy came behind yeah. him. It was just a line. It's called, a, it's called a boat crew, isn't it? Is it a boat crew? Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah, know what we call it. literally how we slept. It that sounds more manly each other than, for, uh, yeah. for, for body warmth. So, yeah. Budge, you go to SEAL Team 2, yep. two Iraq deployments <sighs> Yep. during the height of the war. Yep. Yeah, but they, I mean, they were just okay. You know, we, got, we had the PSD mission for the first one. And it's just one of those things. Fortunately, we had some really good dudes um, to work with. And on the leadership side, like, I don't know. I would say the majority of that platoon ended up screening positive and going, right? So, um, and going to the next level. Jason. Workman was there. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, absolute stud. You know, one of my best friends. And God, he was a beast, dude. Jesus, that's what we called him. Jesus. He, he couldn't do anything wrong. He was a beast. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, again, Jason Morgan was killed on Extortion 17, so that's why using the name. But yeah. So, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we made the most of the deployment. We actually trained a lot on deployment to get, you know, just to get better. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we had, you know, some senior leadership that came over from, from the command to, to, to teach us stuff that we never would have learned otherwise. Um, so I have, I look back at that times. In two ways, right? Disappointed because we didn't do more downrange, but also thankful that I had some great leadership and was able to, to soak it all in and learn. And um, yeah, it it was it was an experience nonetheless, but it, it wasn't what I was looking for. Mm. But, I mean, there was a after that second pump, man. I was I was done. I'm like, not what I want. Um, I'm, I'm gonna get out, and I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I, I mean, I was on the fence, and really, it was because of the lack of action. Just because it, yeah, the, the a lot of policy stuff. Um, it, it it's weird. It was so hard to work, and you wouldn't think that because there was a lot of work going on. It just wasn't us. Well, there, there's a few things there. I got really good uh, advice from a uh, Marine Staff Sergeant mm-hmm. when I enlisted in the Marine Corps, and he said, "Hey, just nothing will meet your expectation." Yeah, and I didn't I didn't appreciate that at the time, and I'm like, well, whatever this guy's talking about. But <clears throat> I mean, when people sell special operations, what do you see in the movies? Yeah, it's kinetic gunfights. Yep, that's yep. what you envision, and then all of a sudden you're guarding Iraqi diplomats. Yeah, running around with clothes and vice president and president. Of yeah, of another country, right? Um, but you look back at it now. Or when, when I was a senior enlisted guy and I was a leader, I look back at it and I think, man, thank God I had dudes that were willing to make hard decisions, mm. right? Because there's certainly things we could have done that we shouldn't have done, and they didn't let us do it. But as a young guy who comes under the, in— Under the premise of let's go get it on. Let's it, go get it, the gunfight. Hey, we're yep. not doing anything. We're going to push the envelope just because we want to do anything. And, and like the list is long of how many dudes we've lost for that exact reason. Just because we're willing to let stuff slide because we haven't worked enough or at all that we're going to take risks that we normally wouldn't take just to get work. Um, and I was in that, I was in that and, camp and, too, you know. And, and was, so let's, let's not mince words here. I was in a group right. that is known for doing that, and we took the first, let's say, three yeah. casualties, yeah. one of which was in our buds class. Yep. Ryan Joe. Yep. The, the, that is the hardest dude I've ever met. Oh. Right? The shit that he put up with, just because he was like a bigger guy, Um, and that he had no quit in him. We were telling so him to quit. Ever. So, Will, this guy, Ryan Joe, we don't know how he got into Bud's training, because <laughs> let's just say he was not thin, but he passed the... Uh, the standards, and he was like, if you just had like 200 students of some like physical stature, all of a sudden you get to Ryan and just like one of these kids does not look like the others yeah. and the instructors. It was like blood in the water yep. and their sharks. He underwent more punishment than any other student. And in a way, the instructors, okay, we're, we're impressionable, turned the students against him in a, in a, in not in a yeah. overly aggressive way to where other people were 
saying, hey, Ryan, just quit because we're actually getting yeah. beaten for you now. We would. Yeah, that's the point. Like, we would we would take heavies just because of him, not because he did anything wrong, because he didn't look like a team guy, right? And you have those, you know, and we, we know who those instructors were, that specifically one that just had it out for him mm-hmm. every time he saw him. And he failed every run, every swim, yeah, every evolution. I mean, he eventually passed in the limits, mm-hmm. but he didn't go the easy way. He went the hard no. way. But this dude wouldn't have quit. You could put him through three hell weeks. He wouldn't have quit. I ended up actually apologizing to him on our first deployment. That's awesome. And I said, hey, man, I, I just I owe you an apology. Yep. Wasn't always supportive during Bud's. He said, ah. He's like, it's okay, man. Everyone discounted me. Uh, yeah. It was like, it's, it was like water under the bridge. I'm and like, thanks, man. Nicest guy ever, too. Yeah. He really – it's funny what you, what you see now versus what you see when you were in this situation are two completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I look back at some of the guys that I thought were just absolute studs and don't know whatever happened to them, right? And then some of the guys are really like, hey, they're all performers because they made it through. But it was weird seeing who really went on to be super successful and who didn't or went on to be successful in something else, right? It, it was just a different perspective. You know what was interesting to me? And one, you, you talked about you had people from – the command we didn't on the west coast yeah. we had the opportunity to go train with them yep and it was run by uh lou langless uh Stunned. again lou was killed on extortion 17 but they ran pretty much five days of uh cqc and at the end of it i'm like okay well that sort of checks that box for me i don't Man. think i belong here um they're running at a at a speed that like one doesn't exist except for these guys over here and it made me think like should i even try when my time comes and, and it was just sort of like a, i had to get away from the west coast given what we had done and being around uh a constant reminder of uh mikey mark yeah. and ryan i'm like nah, i gotta get out of here um i think it was more of a element of that and of do i have what it takes yeah and i think if you're not asking that question all the time you're failing right Every day, you wake, your zone. Every day you wake up, and I tell people this now, and you know, kids ask for my advice. I'm like, man, every day is a selection. Every, from the day you join the Navy to the day you retire, you are being selected every day you go to work. And I guarantee you there's a guy right behind you that wants your job and is going to try to outperform you. Don't let him, right? So it's, it's interesting. I don't know how long it took me to get that perspective, but I'm, I'm glad I had it. Uh, it, it what I also found interesting Again, the West Coast, East Coast, I think by proximity of you guys being close to that place, yeah. there's a lot of things that filter down. down. Yep. With the West Coast, is a completely different culture. Uh, not better for worse. Some things better, yeah, some different. things for worse. Um, and I, I, I didn't appreciate that until I got to the other place uh, and sort of now look back, but that's hindsight. I'm like, ah, oh, there was a lot of bullshit uh, back there. But I do remember when you screened the, the, the SEAL teams would say, oh, you don't want this guy. He's like, yeah, this, yeah. You, know, you don't want this guy. He's, he's an underperformer. And you guys would come out and they're like, we love this dude. Yeah. We're going to give him a shot to try out. Different job. And then goes on to be an all-star. Yeah. And I'm thinking of one guy who, who we won't mention, but uh, you mentioned his name at SEAL Team 3 to the, to the leadership. And they're like, no, he's, he's got an attitude and blah, 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 and this. And, like, he's not – became an all-star. Yeah. Some people just need that venue, need the right venue and the right supporting cast. And if you give it to them, they're going to perform. But that that's leadership, right? 
It's being able to know how to employ your people correctly with the methodology that supports that person the best. And for the longest time, methodology, the right individualized, individualized, right. And, and that's, I I think that in my first 10 years, we were really bad at that because there was, we had that carryover from suck it up. Don't complain, do your job and do it right. And, and do more of it. Right. And then we eventually got to a point. And for me, you know, when we got over to the, to the other place that, that people actually wanted to learn how to be better leaders. And I, I don't know who that started with, but thank God. The, the leadership was at a different level I, and I'm not denigrating yeah. a extremely high uh, level of leadership within the SEAL teams over there. Yeah. Everything, every the bar on everything, tactically, yes. um, physically, mentally, um, and especially with leadership, when I do look back, you know, I believe one leadership is like an oral history. It's like, uh, you appropriate whatever you learn from your mentors, you put a little spin on it, it becomes yours. And then you give it to the next generation. Yeah. It's almost like plagiarism is encouraged. Yeah. As it should be right. You take the things you like and you leave the things you don't like, and you're building this amalgamation of great leadership qualities that you can use to be a better leader yourself. And a lot of people don't do that, which is. I don't get, but you look at the leaders we worked with, served with, stood alongside. Yeah. It is like a master class yeah. in in leadership, and people will never yeah. know who these people are. No. But I mean, that's the whole point of it. But like, I I may have gotten out of the SEAL teams if it wasn't for that place. I mean, eventually I did. I mean, we, yeah. we all have to retire, but um, but I think th- I, it's it's the guys that were there that kept me in. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, you know, especially when the work started to slow down, you just didn't want to let anybody down. And and how you look to your peers is a huge motivator from from day one of buds to the day you retire. Um, so, a lot of decisions we make are based on how we're perceived by our peers, right? And <laughs> call it leadership, call it what you want, but it's peer pressure. It's, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, it's real. It's motivating, and it should yeah. use it as motivation. Yeah, and it works really well. It's funny, I, I, I tell people this when they ask me about leadership. One of the best leaders I ever had, I, I had to stint after college before I joined the Navy where I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Um, and one, I had this guy that I worked for who I remember to this day just his ability to take the most simple process and make it relatable to something so you wanted to learn how to do it. And he did it in a calm and... and um, entertaining. I don't know how, what, what way, how to explain it. It's just, I mean, how boring is renting cars, right? It, it's no offense to anybody that does it now. I actually learned a lot about running a business mm-hmm. and, and the financials and working with your friends and all, but it's not the most exciting job, especially compared to what we went on to do. But what I did for almost two decades, I still remember that dude's leadership abilities from enterprise rent-a-car. Like how crazy is that? So, That's insane. you know, leadership isn't a quality that only Navy SEALs can have or military or pro sports or whatever. It, it, some people are just born to lead. It, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. You, you know, when I talk with companies, one of the things I say is actually, you know, you guys bring in the SEAL here to speak and talk about leadership because it's sexy. It's cool. But actually in the private sector, you have to lead at a greater extent, a different level. And the reason I say that is, think of it this way. I said, how many of you went through 12 months of hell? You sweat, you yeah. bled, you cried, 
to get into this job at Enterprise. Raise your hands. <laughs> None. Right? Yeah. Guys are stepping in with this intrinsic motivation, especially after going through that 12 months of hell. They're on like cloud nine that they get to go check into a SEAL team. Yeah. They already have emotional buy-in. They've earned their way in, and it doesn't stop there. They know they have to earn every their reputation and credibility every single day. Yep. You don't get that in the private sector. So as a leader within the private sector, it's even more, you know, we all see transformational leadership. It's like a buzzword. Right. What is that? It's turning the compliant who will simply follow you because your, your title is manager to the willing. As you just said with this guy from Enterprise, he taught it in a way that made yeah. you want to learn. That yeah. got you excited. To, you got me to buy in. And, and I showed up to work and wanted to do the best because I didn't want to let him down. I, I, there, there's definitely lessons I took from that guy into the teams with me. I still remember to this day. Patience being probably the, the biggest one. Yeah, something I still suffer. Yeah, well, I don't I know. want it and I want same, it now. Yeah. I'm an same. officer. I want my cake and I want it now. No. And I want you to I, I service me. Oh, yeah, I know. You want me to carry you to the cake. Yeah. yeah I got you. <laughs> I said a Bud's flashback. Of yeah, carrying that dude around the, the pool deck. Oh, yeah. He did it to himself. That poor guy. Johnny was telling, so I had Johnny on a podcast. It was a previous podcast. He's like, hey, you remember that time that, uh, you know, you slapped the helmet off that guy? I'm like, Johnny, don't tell this story. I'm like, sorry. It's not a good story, man. Actually, not my uh, best moment. Um, I'm like, I could have handled that a lot differently, yeah. dude. It's like funny hindsight, in the moment. Hindsight, 2020. Yeah. Oh, Johnny, stories were so many of them. But you've done a lot. And I know you, you probably hate that. Silver Star, multiple Bronze Stars, multiple combat deployments, more than I have. You've seen some stuff. Let me ask you, what's, what is the one memory that comes to mind when you watched one of your boys did some, do something, and you're like, my God, that was the most, that's the definition of selfless valor, and I can't even believe I get to stand next to these dudes. I, I couldn't pick one. I couldn't. There's just, it, awards are a joke, and, you know, People don't understand that, right? They're a joke. It's funny. Whatever I got my silver star for, I probably did 10 times that and, and, oh, and got, yeah. a, got a fucking high five, right? And not me, everybody. Everybody at that place did stuff worthy of mm. that and more on a, on a nightly basis, right? And A nightly basis. Yeah, like nobody really believes that, and guys don't really care. Like it's, no. it's, it's not what motivates us to do the job. Um, so... I, I, there were absolutely times, especially when you get to more of a leadership role where you're, you're kind of overseeing and watching, where I'd be like, damn, I can't believe he just did that. And you start to think, would I have done that? And then it's like, all right, get your, get your head back in the game and mm-hmm. start. And it's, it's impressive. And I think I have a better appreciation for it now looking back at what we did than I did when I was because it was just work. Um, and I don't mean that to downplay what we did, I, and I don't mean that to, no, you as disrespect you, to anybody. You don't, like, you don't take time to contextualize when you're in it. At the time when you're in it, like this is my job, and I'm passionate about it, and I want to be the best I can, but you don't think, nothing about what we did was was heroic at, at the time. And I look back at it, and if somebody did some of the stuff that we did back then, it'd be like, damn, man. When it's normalized, as you just said, yeah. on a nightly basis, yeah. it becomes the expectation not... Yes. Sort of the exception. And it's it's certainly earlier on in, in my, my time at the command, it, it, the, the stuff that we did because we worked so much 
towards the end, you could never even do it. Like you would never use that few people to do that type of mission. And it, we did it every day. And now it's like just to go out, you had to plan for fucking two weeks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Some, some of the stories you guys would come back and tell. Yeah. Uh, my only response would be like, Jesus H. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I are, are you guys kidding me? Yeah. And I, w- I was happy living off your guys' stories we, and not being there. I mean, just like wildly, wildly proud. It goes both ways, man. You know how it is. Like when you do your turnovers and when you see the guys that you don't see them forever and then you want to hear what they did and they want to hear what you did. And it's, it's again, it's motivation, right? Because you want your peers to respect you. And, and we always did because we were always working. We actually we we turned yeah we turned over with you yeah we, we over there we and you guys had guys. a hell of couple a good deployment ones. we had a couple of good ones that was that was 2010 you guys had a it didn't end well but it was uh, a good, yeah it was a good one that happens yeah when you're in that game that happens yep. whether yeah. self inflicted or not but <laughs> yeah but no I mean that, and that's a story that uh, you know I dread that coming out you learn so much from it though but I but I, it's one thing to talk about it in in the group right yes I will I will never talk about missions like good that that's just me uh, yeah. and i know people do but i will to newer guys younger guys i'll talk oh. about this stuff because they have to know they have to learn um and, and they, you, you can't make the same mistakes when you're playing with your life or other people's lives or, or you know hostage rescue you are trying to save lives so anything i can do including talking about my failures or our failures collectively to the younger to seals the younger seals to the guys in the game we have to do it in, in the most powerful stories are let me about let me tell you about the time we massively screwed up yeah like self inflicted we yeah. we screwed up guys yeah. listen to what I'm saying like if you're tired yeah. stand up listen yep. to what I'm about to give you because I wish the generation before us because there was a big gap I mean yeah Gulf War vets were not all that common yeah I mean the teams world. actually were not involved in the Gulf War yeah, all that uh, uh, to to a high degree and that actually I don't know if you've ever heard that story I think. Uh, God damn it. Who was it? General Schwarzkopf, right? Was not a big fan of... Of us. Yes. I've heard that. Because of previous conduct yep. of SEALs and how they treated the, uh, the soldiers. So again, you never know what Cubs going to grow up to be a lion. Treat everyone with, uh, with respect. Yep. But you got to tell those stories. And I, I think the, 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 the failures are usually the most poignant uh, yeah. to stand across to, to young minds. And humbling, right? We're, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. And... and Unfortunately, in this world, in this line of work, when you make mistakes, it, there's consequences. They're, they're usually life or death. Um, and it's hard. And I, I worry about those stories coming out. And I'm surprised that one hasn't come out. And I hope it never does. But, you know, it's... Uh, it's it's well-known really amongst where it needs to be well-known. Correct. It's a cautionary tale. Yep. Cautionary tales are great. And yeah, I can't picture one person that was, that was there for that one. I would ever talk about it. Thank I God. remember it. Well, I, re- I remember the, the aftermath, but um, best leader at that level, who, who, who was oh, it? Who man. stands out? Again, Can't so name them. many. Yeah. And, and there's certainly not names I would ever, I would ever talk about, but I'm, I'm sure you and I probably have similar experiences with, with those people. Um, you know, day one when I got there and just the guys that, that brought me in and, and I, you know, you, you have a fear of, of the unknown because you don't really know what's going to happen. And then you get there and it's like, all right, here we go. You, mm. You're in the loop. You're part of the team. That's it. You know, you, you new guy, you get to the light side. It's bullshit. Hazing. Yeah, yeah. You're treated a lot differently. Here yeah. It's just, 
And we that, don't have, we don't have time blew for me it. away. We don't have that. We don't have time. We, just, was, we gotta it was, work. It, it was we don't have time, but it was also a different like. Hey, you're expecting to yeah. to like Adults. the maturity level yeah. is supposed to be higher than her. I tell that. Yep. And it like even when I checked into to recon, it was like in in your dress uniform, go to the top of the hill. Like uh, I don't have money to pay for a new one. And I'm going to stand this out. Don't care. Go yeah, do, it. do it. The amount of bullshit. Um, you know the naturally as an officer, you, you have those mentors who are officers, and they were damn good officers over there. But man, the senior enlisted, the guys who were there for forever, just even the middle enlisted. It was uh, it was a different level. It's funny you, you ask who the best leader was. I can point out the worst leaders. They stood out way more to me than because everybody was a great leader in yeah. their own way. When yeah. someone was not good, it, it like you said, turned in the punch bowl. They stood out so much more, and everybody knew it, except seemingly up the chain, right? Because they tend to pull those people up. As, as they go, um, which which is very ironic. But, in, you know, people are like, well, what is, there's, a, there's a level of bureaucracy. 100%. Much like there's organizational drama or politics, whatever you want to call it. Anywhere you go. That is that is life. Just on a different level. Yeah. Right? The, uh, you, you know, I actually would I've come, and I, you know, again, you don't contextualize while you're going through it. You just don't have the time. It's like, oh, deployed? Yeah. Hey, guess what? You're, you're like, week back? You guys are going to uh, yeah. skydive. Um is the greatest learning for me was actually what I call peer mentorship. Yeah. I mean, not the hierarchical, here's my senior enlisted, I'm a team leader, he, he mentors me. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Same with officers. But it was watching Kelly just destroy everyone on pistol. Yeah. And just what, not, not the fact that he's destroying everyone on pistol, it's just you're watching this process as he does it. Or so and so is just so good at developing relationships. You're like, bro, you're, you're like, Again, a master class yeah. in like relationship development. Well, here's what I do, and blah 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 yeah. blah. And, and it was, I learned so much from the boys. I felt like I gave little in return. I'm not I, looking I for. I don't believe that. It's just everybody is a savant in their own way. That's <laughs> over there, right? And everybody has their thing. Um, and it's just recognizing it and being good at. It. But that's why we work so well as a team, which we talked about earlier, right? Is because we're able to take guys with these ridiculously different backgrounds and, and sets of expertise and put them together for a, a strategy or a mission that that's given to us. Right. It, it's, it's textbook. It is actually really, really cool. So rich. And I think he got yeah. this from uh Steven Kotler. They call it dynamic subordination yep. where that you want to call it the power alpha, whatever yeah. it rotates. So one Officers usually aren't making any calls. They're they've got their yeah. they've got their lane. And I was proud to own that lane with yeah. the radio and assets. What what do you guys need? Yeah, up and out. But where a junior guy who was a breacher all of a sudden is like looks at you who maybe his team leader like go stand over there, 15, 15 yeah. feet. I got this. We follow yep. him until that switches back to you, and then maybe to the troop chief, and then and everyone knows when to be like, oh my my time to lead. Now to multiply. I don't like the term follower. I'm like be a multiplier. Yeah. My time to, to, to be the leader, I'm hey, passing that to a guy who has more experience in this realm or a better situational awareness. How well the guys were doing that and you saw no bickering or anything like, hey, I'm, yeah. I outrank you, which never came up. Um, straight, I mean, we were all first name basis. Yeah. Um, and where credibility knows no rank. Agreed. Everybody's got a job and you got to do it, right? And, and if you can't and, do and it. And if you can't do it, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. Hopefully you're not. And, you know, we have a good way of laterally moving people, which, you know, was probably our biggest weakness. But uh, for the most part, people knew their role and they, they performed exceptionally. And, 
and that's what made us good. Understatement. You eventually had to leave. Yeah. And in fact, when I left, Uh he was the last place I I was at his apartment. Yeah, you were living with me for a while. I was living for him because I was going through a divorce. I think you were squatting. I was squatting. I squatted in a lot of places. I squatted at your place uh, more than others. But I remember I wasn't supposed to leave until like April 1st, and it was March 30th, and I'm sitting there with my orders. But you all... (laughs) I'm like, hey, bro, I'm going to go. I was dying to get to Austin, yeah. and then the rest is just a black hole for, for two years until I met Jordan. But when you had to to leave, one, you're doing what you've only known for close to 20 years. How hard of a decision was that? Um, I mean, and you know this, you feel like you're letting people down, right? And you also feel like, well, if I leave, how are they going to do this without me? <laughs> You know, because we just have this overinflated ego, like, and then the train just zips away, and you're like, "Well, okay." Actually, started to go faster, right? Yeah. Um, So, it it, absolutely a hard decision. I kind of had that, you know. I finished my team leader, and I had that couple months where I was doing something else, and then COVID, and then it became nobody was going to work, and it just kind of became this natural. You were still active during COVID. Yeah. No kidding. and, And then. You know, so I don't know, the last six or seven months of, of my time in, we weren't even going to work anyway. So it, my off-ramp started before I even I even got out. And I I didn't have a plan necessarily. I, I knew, obviously, I knew I was okay with retirement. So I didn't feel like I needed to have a really solid plan because I knew I was financially stable regardless. Um, and I didn't want to do... The first thing that I wanted to be selective with what I did. So it, it was difficult going through it. It was difficult because I felt pressure to figure out what I wanted to do. Right. And then uh, and at the same time, it was it was great because now I'm around my kids all the time mm-hmm. and I'm home and I'm getting stuff done. And, you know, I renovate my house and bathrooms and all this stuff like I've never had time to do what do I do with my hands you know one of those like I've just got all this time to do stuff now um and then w- watching the boys go work and it's like how, how are they doing that without me I'm like there's no way they need my leadership like they need me there and realizing f- I think the, f- the first time they, they went out the door was my first realization that okay it's, it's everything's gonna be fine yeah I'm done I'm gonna go do something else and then I started doing some of the contracting stuff just to, to, to buy some time. And then I started my own company and then I started my nonprofit and all that. And, and you know, just try to bring what I brought to the teams into that. And, and I, I try to surround myself with good people. So it, it was it was an experience. It was a year and a half of, of am I, did I do the right thing? You know, physically, could I have kept doing it? I, I don't know. But, I, I, you know, my favorite analogy is, uh, you know, I think I told you this the other day is uh, I miss the clowns, but I don't miss the circus, right? I, I miss the boys, but I don't miss the job, if that makes any sense. Um, and because you, yeah, at the end of the day, you're a pawn, you're a high level pawn, right? And you work for, you know, who was it? I think the Polish said it to the seals during the, the, the ground war for yeah. pushing into Iraq. Because the Polish Grom were like getting it on, yep. And our guys were held back after was it the Alfa Peninsula? And they said, "Oh man, you guys are lions led by dogs." <laughs> and I'm not referring. I'm not referring to the, like Seal, yeah, yeah, High Command. No, I get, I talking get about the politicians yep. that yep. you know would get in the way when 
when you see a group, you know, this actually was like, it was my sword in the sand moment. Got to deploy right when the ISIS thing kicked off. Mm -hmm. We were in Erbil and the, God damn it, not the Yazeti people. I'm, I think maybe it was the Yazeti people were on a mountain getting just massacred. Yeah. And we're like, hey, can we do something? Get, get us in there, like anything. No. And it was just like, okay, I'm, I think I'm done. But you've, yeah. I mean, when did you come to the conclusion of like, hey, well, one, I know you love law enforcement. You were always like, you, yeah. you bled Boston. Oh, and yeah. I know you were always tight with those guys. Still do, yeah. You're like, hey, there's a deficiency. These guys, and, and let's be honest, I was just talking with a uh, Louisville mm -hmm. uh, officer, and he's like, I mean, they're, they're overt about it. They're like, we don't train, dude. You get your academy time. Yeah. You actually have been through two separate academies. Yep. And, like, you've got, like, five hours to train, like, annually or something. Yeah, I think and, 40 hours of in-service is, is, like, the, the – Per year? Per year. 40 hours a year in-service training is, is kind of the standard for – for patrol officers, not SWAT. SWAT is obviously dependent on the on the city. Um, for me, I mean, you know how much we, we train cops while we're in, right? Well, the 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 ratio of us can compared to them, we were like ninety nine percent training for the one yeah. percent. Right. So it's a community where they're expected to train on the job, um, and, and which is great, and it's why there's good leadership to help correct. people contextualize and learn. But law enforcement is is great at the majority of their job. Where we're seeing the failures is the things that they don't do on a regular basis. Therefore, they don't train. Mass shootings. Right? It, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, active terror, um, you know, workplace or, or school shootings, things like that. Or even um, non-compliant officer ambush, things like that. You can't train on the job for something that happens once in a career. So that's where the failures are coming because they don't train at all. Uh, but it, again, they have a lot of the same problems we had where they're just overworked for us, we get overworked because not only do we go on deployment and do our time and work nonstop, but when we're home, we're training nonstop. And we have a ratio of, you know, 12 months of training for a four-month job mm -hmm. or 18 mm -hmm. months of training for mm -hmm. a six-month job. They have 40 hours for 12 months. Like, that ratio is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. And then I go back to, and then you want to throw the book at these people when they fail. I'm very, very critical of law enforcement, but I'm very defensive of police officers. Like, as individuals, they are performing to the best of their ability in almost all cases, but you're asking to, them to do a job that is in our wheelhouse, not theirs, and then you're throwing the book at them when they fail. How, how often do they shoot? Let's just go there. What, 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 I think where would you put the average across 12 all to the... 12 to 15 hours a year. Of shooting? Of shooting. How not including rounds? the academy. Quals. This is every department I've ever trained. This is kind of the standard. Yeah, we show up one day, do our quals, shoot there, shoot there. And obviously there's, there's, there's a right flank and a left flank. So mm -hmm. some departments are going to shoot more, some are going to shoot less. But if you think about how many hours these people work, you know, let's say a 40-hour week is never a 40-hour week because they, they make their money off overtime. So they're working 50, 60 hours. They have a family. They have a life, side, life outside of the law enforcement that they want to live Right. This is kind of sounding familiar. Right. This this is our world. So now you want them to go shoot on their own time or go do jujitsu or, or go lift weights or whatever it is to better prepare for the 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 week and a half, 60 hours that they're working instead of just working that into the, the schedule. Right. It, it's. How much of, the, of that, though, is a product of they are so I mean, have you seen a police department that is manned to their 
No. Allowance. Absolutely not. And, and that, that's part of the problem. But that's, again, that's something that they're doing to themselves in many ways, right? Just because they're not supporting themselves down the chain. And, you know, I, I don't get political at all. And I'll never get political because my focus is community safety. And that is not a left or a right issue. That is a centric issue. So, um, you know, you can talk about whatever city you want. There's problems in training and law enforcement in, in every city. And the people on the ground, the law enforcement officers on the ground see it. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the senior people see it as well, but the ability to affect it in a positive way is very diminished because of budgeting or time or, or manning or all these issues. But again, all these are excuses for not fixing the problem. Um, and we have a lot of that in the military. So to go circle back, like when I got out and I started training um, and training law enforcement, mm-hmm. it was mostly mm-hmm. SWAT teams, mm-hmm. federal agents. A lot Which of some can be, I mean, all they do is train. Yeah. Basically waiting for they, that call. They train so they a lot get, more than, yeah. than, than most, right? Um, and then obviously, you know, tier one operators and, and military. But I'm training these cops and, and, you know, performing SWAT teams, performing better, right? But I'm watching the news at the same time and seeing things like Uvalde or, or, or whatever critical incidents play out where they're not performing to the level of, of the people that I'm working with. Or the, you can watch... And you can do this too. You watch an incident on TV and you know where their deficiencies are. Just by how they act, just by watching the meter go like this, how confused they are, the lack of fundamentals is extensive. And and you can see that as an expert in that field. And you know that that is happening not because there's, you know, a, a negative intent, but because they aren't prepared to be at that level of stress and have a weapon. And a lot of times they revert to the things that they do, which is that 10 to 15 hours a year of shooting because they've never worked on tactics that will help them better de-escalate the situation. And not to say that that still won't end up in a shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, that the person with the gun has the final say on whether or not they escalate that situation, not the cop. So it, it, it just, there need, something needs to change. I'm an advocate for how we train officers differently. It, it needs to change. You, you can't train for 40 hours a, a year and expect to fix some of the problems we're seeing in the world right now, in, in the country. It, it doesn't happen. So is the correct answer starting in the academy? I think is changing so. the curriculum? Yeah, so but the I mean, 40 hours we're talking... a massive problem, dude. Uh, it's a massive problem. Agree. And there, there, there's a few standards that, that, that tend to cross over between locations, but... You know, I, I've heard someone else say this too, but I, I think if you could man a, a city department, whatever, to a level where you could work for three weeks and train for one week every month and have the same number of cops on the ground at all times, think of how much better those departments would be. And to me, that relates to how much safer are those cities. And that's what, it's community safety. That's what I'm all about. That's what my nonprofit's about. You, you know what a lot of people can't understand? And, uh, uh, not David Hackworth, gosh darn it, um, founder of Delta Force, Will. Look, uh, it's going to come with, Charlie Beckwith, Charlie Beckwith, uh, said with regards to Vietnam, I'd rather go down the river with seven studs than a hundred shitheads. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Yes, we believe we need 50 officers to patrol this right. this area. Yep. But hey, we're going to accept the risk of going down to 30 for those 20 to go train for one week. Yeah. It's you will end up with a better product at the end of the day. 
Correct. Long-term play, right? Long-term play, plus yep. people would be more confident, more job yep. satisfaction. Like yep. that, that, that equates to, it is a tough problem. It in, is. In, when you're being villainized. I mean, dude, I've got cousins on the San Francisco Police Department. Yeah. Could you imagine how tough that is to have a... a Absolutely. I mean, they do have, but it's no different than the military. It's becoming we passive deal. policing, right? Because they, they don't want to be proactive because they don't want to get in trouble for doing their job. Um, instead, we should be looking at how can we help them do their job better? The only tactical training in law enforcement right now is SWAT teams. And if they have time, the SWAT teams will go and train patrol officers if they have time, right? 90-something percent of active shooter incidents are done by the time SWAT gets there. It's patrol officers. It's whoever is closest in proximity to that incident that is responding first or not responding, or, or but they're on scene first, and they have the least amount of training. Is there a model city you've worked with that that is, is, has come closer to, hey, this, this, this is a better model, not to name the city, but hey, this is what they're doing? There, there's definitely cities that are more progressive when it comes to active shooter training. But again, we have officers who've never been in active shooter situations teaching a curriculum written by people that have never been in active shooter training or a situation teaching officers who've never been in active shooter situation how to do active shooter situations, right? So it's, I don't understand why our community isn't being tapped as people who have for 20 years been in combat dealing with active shooter situations and want to help. You know, our community wants to help this problem. And it doesn't mean we come in and train, but hey, how about you have us take a look at your curriculum, at, at, you know, your SOPs, and maybe we can give you a little feedback. Because there's not one city department that I've gone into where I haven't had to, hey, th dude, this is about 15 years ago, this, this tactic that you're using in this situation. And here's why. Because they don't really understand the why. They do it because it's the way they were taught. And again, that's not their fault because they're not applying this every day like we did. It's, it's, it's a huge catch-22 that I see and you see and our people see because we did it for a living and we're the best in the world at it. You know, I can't go in and patrol the streets as a police officer. I don't know the first thing about that. But I certainly know how to work under stress in, in a life-or-death situation because I did it for 20 years. You, you would think there is a, uh, a job market that's created around this industry where yeah. I would rather have this guy full-time in the academy, the sergeant's academy, yeah. training SWAT as a employee within the department, yep. a retired special forces, a retired, uh, you know, AFSOC right. uh, guy. And, and, and it, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't have to be our level. Even, you know, one of the levels right below us, they, they would provide so much uh, value to any department. And, you know, it, it kind of became this, well, we, we can't afford it. I'm like, okay, how about this? I'll start a nonprofit and you get it for free. And, and that's kind of where the nonprofit came from. And it's it's taken off. But I still have departments that are like, nah, we, we can't do it because then I'd have to pay overtime to my guys. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've had one city that was just flat out, man, politics-wise, we, we, we can't do it. Because of the appearance. Appearance, right. Of being too militant. Yes. That's, that's what we'll say, right? Well, it, we, we also, I mean, remember cops were, were, were getting a lot of scrutiny because they were buying uh, yeah, equipment and, from and the military. Happens, and, right? yeah. They weren't buying it. It was getting given to them. And like because tactical they, vehicles. Because and, they couldn't afford it mm. otherwise. So it was like hand-me-downs from Big Brother. Why wouldn't you? 
right? They have every right to protect themselves from whatever's on the streets. And as the level of violence on the street increases because there's the, you know, the, the tactics are getting better on the enemy side, the criminal side, right? You should be able to protect yourself. Um, oh, man. You can tell I'm passionate. So, about this, right? so you started community first. I mean, this yeah. is a unique idea where you're going to, I mean, so now you've got the burden of not only training departments that, and do you have departments just reaching out saying, hey, man, we'd love to get you in here and your boys? I do. It, it's it's hard to keep up with the demand, right? At the end of the day, I'm, I'm a nonprofit, so I need I need the money to support. We're, we, we've got state money. We've got private donorship. Uh, I've just started working with some some corporations for sponsorship, but I haven't tapped into any federal money yet. And that's kind of the next next thing, you know, increasing my corporate sponsorship and then federal support to be able to do it. But the law enforcement, man, they 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 see this, I'll get a bunch of calls from different departments, and I will never say no. I, I might not be able to come right now to help train you, but man, let's let's get, get you on the books. Let's talk and we'll just yeah. let's get on the phone. Tell me about your SOPs. What are your TTPs? How can we refine that so you can start working a little bit differently to get better? At the end of the day, it's fundamentals. They they are trying to teach and this is kind of my issue with the alert training that's out there now, mm-hmm. is you're trying to teach varsity level tactics to people that have never had fundamentals and it doesn't work right because they're going to go out and you're basically giving the answers to the test then you sign them off and say all right you're good to go to be here's this certification it's a cya it's a cover your ass for the departments and they're not learning anything because they don't even know how to do a room entry or panador or or even do a transition or mag change without you know because they've never done it yeah so what I, what I tell people when I talk to them, I can't come in and teach you in a week how to be a Navy SEAL <laughs> or even how to respond to yeah. an active shooter. But what I can come in is I can come in and identify your shortfalls, and I can then help you build a training program that will fix some of those problems over time. Because the only way to really fix this situation is to address how law enforcement trains and change it. 40 hours doesn't work. That's it. I think that's your key right there is if a department comes forward, give me five guys who are going to be your evangelists that are going to, right. that I'm going to train, train the trainer yep. so that they, they can then spread that within your department. Yep. It, very much the model we utilized overseas with the Iraqis, right. the Afghanis and God knows uh, who else. How many, how many instructors do you have right now? So all my instructors are 1099s. So mm-hmm. I, when I have, when I have training coming up, mm-hmm. I put it out. You activate them. The guys come in. But they're retirees, I'm assuming. Yeah. So yeah. guys that just get out usually. There, and I certainly my nonprofit is about helping our guys as well and getting them employed. And if you think about, and, and I'm sure you went through this too, the year and a half after you got out where you didn't know, it's nice to have some residual money, right? To to be able to to do I things. I still don't know, there. dude. First <laughs> off, I still don't know. I'm I'm five years out, and I'm still I mean still figuring this out. I mean, I feel like you're doing okay. Uh, yeah. uh, appearances can be deceiving, but I appreciate. No, I, I get you. The, uh, it, it's good to, uh, what I would like to do and, and kind of my, my long-term goal is as guys get out, like you got out, you came back to Texas. Mm-hmm. I just put you on retainer and make you my program manager for Texas. And you are the POC for law enforcement in your area. When they have issues, they can just call you and you set up X amount of trainings a year. And I just put you on salary and you can still look for your next gig. So it's, it's a, it's kind of a placeholder for guys that, want to do something different, but also want to have an income and give back to some of the communities that, that supported them while they were deployed. 
as much. Did you hear that, Will? He's going to make he, make me his Texas representative. Yes. The officer. Like, how do we clear this room? You get some enlisted guys. I guess I get, <laughs> this room needs to be cleared. Um, you were prior enlisted. You know yeah, I was. Do. I was a Mustang. Um, yeah, I did well. I did well yeah. during my... my Tutelage under you. It was great. It was a product of the. <laughs> I'm not, he's the biggest, you know, dullest tool in the shed. I mean, the, the how did you arrive at that model though? That's I mean, you took. I'm sure you man. talked to a lot of people. You're yeah. like, hey, how do I do this? I want to do good. There's no way I'm going to fund this. Yep. My so I, I obviously I've always stayed close with Boston PD, mm-hmm. and one of my partners is Paul Fitzgerald, who's a retired superintendent, a uh, superintendent of BPD. If you ever did any training in Boston, you would have met this guy. Like, he was our POC up there. Um, so I reached out to him. Like, what do you think? And I wanted to start small. And I thought, well, why don't we start with Massachusetts? A, it's my hometown. I have a great relationship with the PD up there. And I have a lot of good friends up there that we're willing to support. And I felt like if I could pull this off in, a, in Massachusetts, right, a very mm-hmm. liberal state, mm-hmm. and – get support and money from the state, I can take this model and do it anywhere. And if you haven't been to Massachusetts, it is a very liberal state, specifically in Boston, but it is the most blue-collar, patriotic place you could ever go. It it is a bunch of phenomenal Americans that are very supportive of law enforcement and military. So God bless the Patriots and, and, for allowing and us to train and the greatest football team of all time. Yeah. And <laughs> let's, let's basketball, not get crazy. hockey, and baseball as well. You were so. the greatest team ever because of a, a man out of a uh, – uh, I got Blake in San Carlos, uh, California, San Mateo, San California. Mateo, oh, TB12. Uh, yep. The, the, the goat. Yeah. Where, where, where do you want to take this in the perfect world? You've got a instructor staff of 20 guys. You're, you're, you've got, I say kill teams. You've got small, uh, tactical training teams that you can deploy all at once. Three working with three departments. Yeah. And then how do we, how do we get there? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> it's the, the honest answer. It is the honest answer. Like I, I have in my head an idea of what I want. And I mean, there's almost 800,000 cops in, in the country, right? So it's really, there's, there's not enough team guys to be able to support a national mission, right? Without watering down some of the instruction. However, I think we can get to the point where we can incorporate other levels of, of soft operator to be able to do something on a larger scale. But financially, that's it's expensive, right? Like the, you know, it's a nonprofit, so the cops don't have to pay. But, but somebody still has to pay, right? I'm paying. And it's, it's expensive. Our guys, I, I pay well, but I can't afford to pay what they would make if they went and did this on the for-profit side, right? So I'm kind of relying a little bit of patriotism and, and in the guys, which is easy to find for the short term. My mm-hmm. goal is, is to regionalize this. I'd love to have my own facilities in, in areas around the country mm-hmm. to start bringing law enforcement to me and be able to do, like, I, I have a fake school, a fake office building yes. where they can come yep. in and do the training there. And I, another thing, cops don't intermingle well. Like, you watch it in a marathon bombing in Boston, right? The first thing they did was like, well, who's in charge? How do we do this with different departments in different cities? Guys that you've been a cop in City A, you've been a cop in City B, and you've never talked or worked together. And now you have an incident, you know, a terrorist attack, in both cities, and you don't know how to integrate. We saw this between SEAL Team 3 and SEAL Team 8. Oh. We're like, oh, we're, we got the same tactics. We're, we're good. This, right? No, yeah. it was a disaster. Uh, absolutely, that's what I'm saying. We, it, it, but we, we realized it, it yeah. yeah. And, and But that's 
that's law enforcement. Like they they don't work with federal government to to state police or whatever it is. There's no integration. So I think if I can bring them to me, I would. I wouldn't want them to come as a whole department. I would want them to integrate and work with each other. Because at the end of the day, teaching fundamentals doesn't matter where you're at, right? You should be able to have a fundamental understanding of how to attack that situation across the board. And you should be able to integrate with other departments and have the same fundamental background. Your tactics might differ by department, which we have different tactics by by command or, or wherever you're at. In the event of integration, you fall back to your fundamentals. And that just doesn't exist in law enforcement. Let, let me ask you this. Yes, you go out and you seek donations to then go tra- train uh, law enforcement. But couldn't law enforcement also just pay you? Like, so, hey, we yeah. do have 25000 we We're, we're going to hire this company anyways. We'll, we'll just hire you guys. I, I do some nonprofit, uh, for-profit stuff, like a SWAT team. If they have a budget... I'm not going to spend my donor money on a department that has a budget, right? Unless there's, and, and I'll say the caveat to that is if they have a history of training their patrol officers and I'm coming to help them develop a curriculum to train the patrol, that's fine. But most departments don't have that budget, even big cities. They do not have the budget to be able to bring someone in at that cost. Um, it, it's easier I have had an easier time of raising money than I have of, of finding departments to train, to pay to train patrol, not SWAT, patrol. It, it's, it's, you know, hope, hope isn't a tactic, but man, they, they hope things don't happen quite a bit, right? And, and the chances are, it's not, Valdi's not going to happen in your city. Like that, that is the chance. That was, that was so bad. But if it does, yeah. what are you going to do? You know, but that's, that's the standard. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't want to like come down on those police officers. Nope. Uh, tough situation, not trained to the standard, but just to watch them sit there and, and just not just one guy to be yep. like, hey, let's just go that direction together. Which happened in Nashville, right? And the funny is, a lot of those of all the officers had active shooter training. The Nashville ones, I don't think did. I, I, but one was prior military, the one that was really aggressive. Hey, those two. God, I think yeah. they were both vets. Yeah. The two were vets. And then sometimes... The I mean, a Marine, I'm just going to say for what it is. Yeah, but, well, uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, the tactics weren't great, right? There's a lot of buddy sweeps. There's a lot, you know, at the very end, the guy steps in front of the shooter as he's shooting. Sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But what they, like did really well, yeah, yeah. they did really well is they, they were aggressive. Aggressive. And they were deliberate. And they went to the sound of fire, which is really hard to teach, right? And you, you certainly can't teach it in a week. But they did it, and good things happen. But at the end of the day, the reason they were successful is because their minimal skill level was still better than the skill level of the person with the gun. They had a bias for action. And, and uh, absolutely. They, yeah. So, you know, talking to the Louisville uh, officer, they did recently have, and this is, I mean, this is a perfect example. Yeah. One of the young officers, yep. uh, and I, I got I to be careful. I, I now notice myself saying one of the young kids, like, I'm sorry, young men. Man. His, uh, Anyone under 40 is a kid, yeah. right? Is that what we're saying? So this 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 guy was the, the bank shooting in Louisville. Yeah. First week out of the academy, he responds. He was aggressive, ended up getting shot in the head. Right. His brother is in the academy. Why that happens. But first week on the job, he's shot in the head. Yeah. And Being he aggressive. was touch and go. He was aggressive, yeah. and the situation was handled. There were fatalities. Yeah. Had he not. In, in his teams or his respective uh, uh, partners had not, then it would have been worse. But yeah. um, that just goes to show how real this can be. And 
So I mean, weird. he's coming out with baseline training out of the academy. I know, and it, but my and and kind of where I'm going with this, and you mentioned the academy is like some there there were some super fundamental things that they could have done, and it wouldn't have happened in that way, right? And I'm certainly not going to say anything negative. Again, I'm very defensive of police officers. He did what he was trained to do, or not trained. He like he wasn't trained to, to distance and angles, right? There was no angle. Like he walked up the stairs right in front of the window, right? It, it's it, to me, it's it's almost angering, and, and especially when we try to blame the officer for, for their performance, when we're asking them to do these incredible things with no training whatsoever to be able to do it. And, and I, I, can, I commend Nashville, Louisville, even, you know, all these officers who are out there doing this job. It, it, if you're talking negatively about those guys, man, I, I don't know what your problem is because you really have no idea what's going on in this country right now. So it's I – I get all worked up about it, but it's hard it's, not to. It's, you know, they're held to a standard. I think the standard's in the public's eye who – does not understand what it yeah. takes to train a competent soldier. They show you in all the movies, though. Like, you know how to, like, that's how you're a kind of, know what cops can do. Cause it's yeah. so what, the one with Denzel. When, uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. Training day. So you've connected, uh, well, I'm sorry, what's the officer's name from uh, California? Are you, are you speaking at the women's conference? The oh, female yeah. law, about, law yeah. enforcement? Yeah. Uh, I, I won't, I won't use names, but yeah. So I got linked up with them actually through you and, um, they're going to love you. I know. They're going to love you. Uh, well, I hope so, man. And I hope we go out there with a good message. We're going to talk about mindset and, and leadership. And I'm bringing Fitzy with me, the Boston PD. Yeah. And we're going to do a little AAR on um, on the, the marathon shooting. Okay. And, and kind of the how we would have done an AAR to to make changes, to improve whatever it is needed. Because Fitzy was there. He lived. He was there. He ran okay. the in, okay. Intel Center for during that time. Um, so... Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. We, uh, I, you know, I've, I've never been a huge public speaker, but um, I've been doing it a lot more lately, and, and I, th- I think getting better, better at it. But I think two thousand female officers at this one. Oh, it was it was. Oh, you did it last saying, year. Yeah. Yes, you are going to be like a. Uh, you, they called the group I was with the WPG. I, I don't know what it stands for, but it was like a point of pride, and they're gonna they're gonna shuffle or escort you around. Awesome. So. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that they're interested and, and want to hear about it. And I, I will never say no to anybody. If, if someone needs help and wants my help, I'm going to do it. You're going to figure a way. I'm going to figure a way. They need it. And, you know, they've been really patient with me because the schedule is so busy. And they're, like, asking me, you know, hey, I need I need this, I need this. And I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying. But uh, they, they've been super patient and, and helpful and, and, and supportive. So I'm excited to get out there and help them out. Well, dude, you've served your country and then some. And I know you would never admit that. You know, again, wildly proud of my guys, wildly proud of my my brothers in arms. And then you continue to serve in a way that you're you're actually you've identified a unique way to solve a national level problem. You just need the backing now. Yeah, need, that, that's that's kind of need the money. Yep. You need you need corporations to step up. You need yep. good citizens to step up who have the ability to donate. Who do also it does affect them. They yeah. want they want to be safer it's within their respective safety, right, and and that's what we're looking at. And we're getting we're starting to get support. Um, working with Born Primitive now. I don't know if you mm. know Born Primitive. Yeah, yeah got the hat on. 
Um, they, they're a fitness apparel line. Owned own by a soft or by, just always owned been? Owned by a SEAL. Okay. Started by a, a SEAL veteran and uh, in his garage, I believe. What's his name? Everybody calls him Bear. Bear. Yep. It's a good name. It's a good name, right? So he's, you know, they're coming out with a tactical line here, I think, in September. Um, I've, I've seen some of the samples, and it's it's legit. And it's good. about half the price of what we were we were paying for our stuff. <laughs> So yeah, so we're gonna start cry, doing cry, some stuff cry together. Is not yeah. Cheap. yeah. Um, I've got some some people up in Boston that have been helping out. We're we're doing a big fundraiser for the Army Navy game with another nonprofit called Team Impact. Um, Team Impact, look them up, teamimpact.org. They take children, uh, you know, up you know, certain age group, obviously up to eighteen, with with life changing disabilities, and they draft them onto a college sports program, and they spend two years with that program as a teammate. And they, they go to the events, the team events, the games, and, and they're they're just part of a team that they would never have otherwise. And they've been doing this for a lot of years now, and it's a it's a big nonprofit. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, um, and we've already identified the kids, but we're going to put a kid with Army, kid with Navy. We're going to follow them through the season with the football teams, and it's going to culminate at the Army-Navy game, and we're going to do a big festival party, and we're Oh man, do some stuff with these kids. I've got to go to this. You have to be there. But you know, this guy Jay Callanan is the one that started uh, Team Impact. True patriot. He has done so much to support our soft community and the SEAL community. Mm. Uh, you know, he got rec- recognized by uh, SEAL Legacy. Uh, they gave him um, just just for his support of our community, and you know, he's been helping me out with my nonprofit. So when I saw that the game was going to be in Foxborough, I'm like, we, we got to do something. Let's go. And have you ever been to an Army Navy game? Yeah, I went last year in Philly. They are so that's no way we're. I went in Baltimore. Yeah, that is a. I mean, talk about a good time. That's the equivalent of a, like a concert. It's paired phenomenal. With sports. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So we we've got they built a new. It's in Foxborough. They built a new end zone club. We've got fifty tickets. Uh, we're raffling them off. So we're also trying to get some corporate sponsorships, to donate money to come be a part of it. We're going to bring some you know high award winning. Medal of Honor types and generals and admirals and just let some of these donors hang out with our community at an Army-Navy game and just have a blast. And, and obviously, Navy's going to beat that ass. Uh, we know it, right? It's just it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, we've lost that domination. Yeah, we lost I, that. Now, now it's like a tit for tat. <laughs> Doesn't mean we're it not going to talk the, smack. Uh, you know? It is the option football, but it is, I'll tell you what, Americans that are going to go on to serve their country yeah. to watch them battle it out over pride – it is. is just one of the most beautiful things in the world. There's no rivalry, none, none like it at all. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then for them all to take a knee at the very end. Yeah, and, and, and uh, they know they're going to be, they're going to be teammates, right? They're playing against each other on the field, but they're going to be teammates and they're going to war together. I, I was so disappointed in Navy. I think Army did like a special forces theme this last year. Yeah, and then we did like NASA. People are like, well, NASA's a joint. Yeah. I tell you, Navy sometimes. Write your congressman. Yeah. Have them change it. I'll tell you what. Where can communityfirst.org? Is that the where where can people find you? Yeah, yeah. C1P.org. C1P. C1P.org. Simple. Even C1P. I can remember that. C1P.org. That's it. We'll put the links in. Yeah, please. Hey guys, if you're law enforcement, please contact me. You can reach out to me on the website. Um, if you're interested in, in you know any anything sponsorship wise, if you want to help, reach out to me. Um, you know, send me an email on, on the site, but yeah, absolutely. If you want to host a fundraiser in your town to, to, to fund some training, or if you just want to sponsor training in your area because you want your police department to get the best training, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'll make it happen. Thank you for what you did. 
Thank, Thank you, you for what you do. I appreciate you're, you. You're man. still that, that knucklehead. That room with Always. me and Buds. Always. Um, no, man. Love you. Thank and you, for man. you guys, we will see you again.